Look up while I'm organizing myself, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. That would be super duper for me. Okay, there's a spoon here. Now, I've got a PowerPoint, and um, since I lost the screens in front of me, I never remember to, to click it on, Howard. <laughs> okay, so it'll be obvious, it's just verses, so you'll be fine. Okay, so you can either look it up today in the Bible, or they'll be appearing on the screen, so you don't need to worry. Okay, well, once you've got um, the Corinthians passage, just plop it on your knee or next to you and relax for a bit and we'll come back to it in a minute. We're um, week six, believe it or not. Amazing, isn't it? Week six of our series on the topic of our generous God. And just for a moment, I want you to think of the most generous person that you have met in your life or the most generous act that has ever been done for you or the most generous moment you've ever had where you've even surprised yourself at your own generosity and when we take that thought in our mind it is nothing compared with the generosity of our God but I I don't know about you but I sometimes forget this I start to take things for granted Even the fact that we're breathing this very moment, sitting here with each other, is a gift from God. In Genesis, we see how um, God created the universe, the billions of galaxies, the billions upon billions of stars, and in in our own Milky Way. And then we read about our own formation. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Our very start comes from God breathing his breath into us. But as Christians, of course, it doesn't stop there. Um, In Christ, we have something called a new life. In 2 Corinthians, we read the following. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. And then in Ephesians, we're told, well, how did this happen? And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, when you believed and were marked in him with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. And he goes on in chapter 2, which we're looking more at today, For we are God's handiwork or workmanship or creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Each one of us, as we um, chose to follow Jesus, as we came to that point where we said, yeah, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life, we received a purpose which God 
destined for us, if we can wrap our heads around it, before he even began to create. Now, I don't know about you, but that's too much for me, but it's certainly something to meditate on. God had you, you as an individual, in his mind before he began to create. And that feels pretty awesome to me. We're purposed to bring glory to him. We read that we were made in the image of God to reflect who he is. As we look at each other, as we see the goodness of God, that reflects the glory of God and brings ultimate, more honor to him. To say, this is what he looks like. You know, and as we, as people of the kingdom, as we go about our daily lives, we allow people to see God's goodness. We allow them to hear about his goodness when we talk about him, when we testify, God's been doing this in my life. He, he's currently doing this. Um, isn't it amazing what God has done? And finally, as we draw people in, as people hang out with us, as we invite people to our homes, as we invite people to um, experience something of him, as they're in that community, they begin to experience the goodness of God. And last week, we um, uh, very helpfully heard about how Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He promised that when the Spirit came, he would guide, guide Jesus' followers into truth and bring glory, point people to God. Jesus wanted his followers to continue what he'd begun, but he knew they couldn't do it without help. You know, they were talking last week about how the Holy Spirit would come alongside them, would teach them, guide them, comfort them. And this week, we're going to look more at the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, what he does. Um, he himself is like, it's like a gift that keeps giving. It's like one of those weird, tricky things, we you know, when they say, what would you wish for? I'd wish for infinite wishes. Um, the gift of the Holy Spirit brings further gifts with him as he distributes them. So we've got Jesus, he's about to go back to heaven. He tells his disciples, wait, wait for this gift. Don't do anything without this gift. Don't even think about it. Don't step out the door. You need this. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you don't have him, you can't continue what I've been doing. And so we have the whole thing where they wait, they're praying, the Spirit comes, the flame's on the heads. And then they go out. And what do they do when they go out? Well, it's surprising. Firstly, they go from being terrified to being bold. One of the gifts of the Spirit is boldness, I believe, that we are empowered to go and do something we didn't think we would be able to do. They boldly say, Jesus has risen from the dead. They go out and they begin speaking in tongues, a different language, um, a heavenly language perhaps, one they didn't know. And each of the people hear the goodness of God. They hear it being proclaimed in their own language. And throughout the book of Acts, we see the church growing in the gifts of the Spirit. We see the gifts of the Spirit being exercised as people perform miraculous signs, as people are risen from the dead, as people are healed, as people are prophesied over. We see the gifts being used. 
we see men and women of God speaking about um, Jesus, speaking about God's word, and they've never been trained. They haven't been to Bible college or seminary. They haven't been to any of that, and yet they're able to. And we see these people writing the New Testament, although they're not scholars. And yet they write this amazing work that we're able to read today, the testimony about Jesus and what happened and what he continued to do after he went back to heaven. The Holy Spirit came with this amazing power. And I'm, I'm going to get my power out today. Don't worry. <laughs> and this is by dynamite. Because this made all the difference. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no power. Jesus said very clearly, if you're in the vine, you can do something. If you're not, if you're not attached to me, you don't have the Holy Spirit, nothing can happen. This is the kind of power we want to have. I wonder if I can balance it up here. There we go. I'm going to come back to that later. Is it going to balance? No, not a chance. I'll, um, I'll put it up here. There you go. It's going to stay. There we go. And so the new churches we see in Acts, they begin to exercise the gifts of the Spirit as this power comes upon them. And of course, with anything new, you get a new tool. So here's my tool. I'll handily use this prop that's been left behind. Um, they, they didn't know necessarily how it worked. They um, found themselves in situations where they began to speak in other languages. They didn't know how that happened. And we can find ourselves in the same. We're, we're beginning to use the gifts of the Spirit, but we don't always do it very well. We don't necessarily know what we've got. We don't necessarily know how to use it. We're a little bit like, hmm, I don't know what's going. And that can be a scary place. You know, we might have had some really bad experiences in our time of people maybe using the gifts of the Spirit in not a loving way. We might have been in a service where we have felt, I feel really uncomfortable here. This is not feeling good to me. And we might have been in an experience where we think, no, I think that is absolutely not of God. Now, in Corinthians, we found the most teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. These guys needed a lot of guidance. You know, they're a church where this power is exploding all over the place, but they're not necessarily handling it very well. Paul has to come in with a massive amount of guidance. He starts this section with, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant and not know what's going on here. This church needed some advice, not only in what they were using, but how to use it. And we might feel that, you know, sometimes we're a bit scared of things like this. It, it it's kind of makes us a bit twitchy. But I, I read this great thing. Abuse is not an excuse for disuse. I thought, oh yeah, we need to tick with that. So in 12, 13 and 14, 
Paul goes through trying to inform them about the gifts. And you can read that at home to your heart's content. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to read that this week. Just go through 12, 13, and 14 in your own time and see what Paul's saying. We'll look at some of it today. And in the teaching they receive throughout this, they find um, this command at the end of the first chunk of his teaching on gifts. And we read these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31. So you can look that up or you can look at the screens. He says these words, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Hmm. Interesting. And in case they've missed it, look at 14 chapter 1. He says again, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit especially prophecy. And on the subject, he says in 1439, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking of tongues. Now, it can feel a bit weird that we shouldn't desire stuff. You know, we know that every good gift comes from God. We know from this passage he gives according to who he wants to give to. But there is something in here where Paul's saying desire the gifts. So I think we should look at that. Look again at 14 chapter 1. Oh, sorry, chapter 14, verse 1. Paul here is speaking on the current use of gifts. And he's really keen that they use them in the right way, in love, In fact, if you look above, chapter 13 is that famous passage about love. But look at what bookmarks it. Look what the verse is before it and after it. Before it, 31, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. 14.1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts. We've got love right in the middle here. Paul's advice is firstly, follow the way of love. And this word follow means to pursue. Not, it's not like a passive following, like you look at it and you follow. It's more like the word for chasing. Imagine like a lioness chasing after something. That's the word that Paul's using here to chase after. He says, chase after love. And none of us would argue with that, would we? You know, if you ask people, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God. That's what we're running after, this pursuit of love. And we have in there, love is patient, love is kind, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But at the same time, with this in mind, Paul says also, eagerly desire Now, this word is to be jealous for, to possess it. Um, Figuratively, to burn with jealousy, like a white-hot flame. Have you ever thought of that? Can you think of the power of the emotion, not only that you chase after love like a lioness, but that you burn with jealousy to know more of the spirit in your life? Now, that sits uncomfortable sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, Charles says, well, why is that? You know, why are we, we think, oh, I want to love. Oh, but to chase, to burn with white-hot jealousy 
for the Spirit of God? Do I have those two things together? Paul wraps them together, I think, really helpfully because to possess the Spirit and to, to want more of the Spirit and say, I need more of you, Jesus. I need more of your power in my life is so that we can love better. Let's read um, chapter 12. And we're just going to read um, verse 7 to 11. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are at work, are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one as he determines. So Paul is saying here, talking about the spirit, they're for the common good. You know, last week, uh, very helpfully, we had that illustration about the man um, projecting the spotlight on, on, the, on, the, on the show person. And saying, we don't turn around and congratulate the spotlight person, but we congratulate the performer. And the same way, our gift of the Spirit is not for us. It's for the common good, and it's for the glory of Jesus. We want things to be not towards us, but flowing out of us for the glory of Jesus. Verse 11, have a quick peek. Chapter 12, verse 11. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. If you are in Christ, you are that new creation. You belong to the rest of the church. You don't just become a new creation in yourself, but you're part of the bigger new creation, the body of Jesus Christ. You're joined to the others. You've been given gifts that someone else won't have. You have them. The miraculous is part of our testimony. And it says here very clearly in 11, he distributes them to each one. We are all an each one. There is no one here who can sit and say, I have nothing. Because you are the each one. Unless you think you are the one exclusion from the general rule of the Spirit giving good gifts. The miraculous is part of us giving glory to Jesus. It's part of our testimony. Look at chapter 14 and verse 24. Imagine this. He's talking here about speaking in tongues and prophecy. He says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while anyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. 
What did we learn last week? That this part of the spirit would come to convict the world of sin. And here we have it through prophecy, through the church, through the spirit working through people, the conviction of sin is happening. Yes, the spirit is at work in the world independently of us, convicting people of sin, moving in their lives, but we are also invited into that. We are part of what the spirit is doing. It says, they will be brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God. Not not the person prophesying, God exclaiming, God is really among you. And I don't know about you, but this can be a really alien concept. For many of us, the idea of beginning to worship in this scary context just fills us with fear. If you've grown up like me in quite a traditional environment, we can be dismissive, we can be fearful We can be even critical of churches where the gifts are used well and a lot. But if we're to take what the words say here seriously, the command of chasing after love, of burning white hot for more of the Spirit of God, then we shouldn't be treating the gifts that God loves to give us as if, like Jesus says, like they're a snake ready to bite us. The word in the New Testament uh, associated with the Spirit is power. And it's where we get our word uh, for dynamite from. And used correctly, dynamite can do amazing things. It can move mountains. It can remove obstacles. It can unearth diamonds and allow us to access gold. But used incorrectly, dynamite can be desperately destructive. In this passage, as you'll read this week, Paul is constantly telling these guys, grow up. Stop treating the dynamite like it's just something you can fling anywhere. You know, burn hot for it. Burn hot for the Spirit of God to be more in your life, to experience the gifts. He's saying eagerly desire them, but don't treat them like you can just chuck them anywhere. When someone in the church is unkind to us, we don't dismiss kindness as something that's a waste of time or fear it. When someone loses their rag with us, we don't dismiss patience, saying, oh, that's rubbish, it's too scary for me. In the same way, we shouldn't dismiss the spiritual gifts. You know, somebody might get it very wrong. And don't hear me on this. It can be painful when someone gets it wrong. But let's not dismiss the gifts of the Spirit because we've had bad experiences. Here, Paul's really clear. Don't quench the spirit. Don't stop doing this. Just learn to do it well, guys. Do it in love. So this week, I just want to challenge you, and it's pretty short this week, but I want you to think about how you might commit 
too burning white hot for pursuing spiritual gifts, for eagerly desiring them within the context of love. Jesus, I want to use these for the building up of your church. I want to use gifts that magnify you. I don't want to be scared of them. Jesus, give me what you want to give me, but help me to use it for you. You might commit this week to reading through 12, 13, and 14 and saying, God, speak to me. What is it you want to say to me about your spirit through this? You might commit to doing a study on the spirit and spiritual gifts. If you am to eagerly desire them, well, how do I go about that? If I don't even know what they are, or I do, but I've not really thought about it very much. You might commit to reading articles or books on the subject. You might commit to saying, God, I'm simply going to ask you this week. Give me more of your spirit. Give me gifts of the spirit that will help your body grow. Give me gifts of the spirit that will testify as to who you are. Give me gifts of the spirit that when people see it or hear it, they will say, God is in this place. And you might find that you are aware that you have been given some gifts, but you're not exercising them. Paul says to Timothy, fan flame the gift that's been given to you. You might be feeling embarrassed. You might have got it wrong once. Well, we all get it wrong. I'm constantly messing up, being unkind, uh, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. But I don't give up on my pursuit of love, of being like Jesus. And in the same way, if you've got it wrong, it's okay. Take it back to God. I'm sorry I got it wrong, God. Please help me to use it for your glory. Please help me to grow in this gift of the Spirit for your glory, for the church. Maybe you think you have a gift of encouragement. Maybe you just stop using it. You forgot. It's got a bit rusty. Get back out there. Maybe you've got a gift of service. We'll serve. Maybe you've got a gift of giving. We'll get giving. Maybe you have a gift of words, of knowledge. Well, ask God. Say, I want to uh, receive words of knowledge, Jesus, because I want to give glory to you. I want people to be encouraged. I want your church to be built up. I want Portsmouth Church to be alive for you. I want people who don't know you to see that you are real. So what could you do in this coming week? to receive more of the gifts of the generous spirit. Ephesians, this is where we're going to finish today, chapter 3 and verse 20. So this is uh, Paul again and it's often used as a benediction at the end of services, but let's just look at it now. It says, Now to him who's able to immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And that's scary sometimes, isn't it? According to his power, that's that word dynamite. His power within us. To him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever.
Amen. So in the coming week, we'll just uh, spend a few moments now just thinking. But be thinking, how can you commit to living dangerously with the Lord? How can you commit to saying, I want more of your power in my life?